Welcome to Bar Talk. I'm your host, Robert Hill, Artistic Director of the Orlando Ballet. And I love doing this podcast because I get to speak with these amazing, amazing people. And the guest I have today is someone who defies categorization. She is loved and respected around the world. And I just want to introduce Susan Jones. Hi, Susan. Hi, Robert. My gosh, it's so good to see you. And I know that our, our people who are listening don't get to to see that we see each other. But um, how are you doing with this pandemic? I know um, ABT is not working. Uh, it's, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult for everybody. My family as well try to count the blessings. Um, uh, so, you know, it's just biding time. It's a painfully slow process. And uh, I don't know. Um, I, I worry about the dancers because they're, they're so resilient. I mean, I see them doing such incredible things on social media and um, keeping the torch burning, um, but it ain't the same. No, no, it isn't. And no. um, I, I failed to mention your official title with ABT, which is Register. And, but you wear so many more hats than that. That's why I just couldn't, I couldn't just restrict it to one thing. <laughs> and I wanna talk about all those things that you do. Um, you mentioned to me not that long ago that coming up very soon is a significant number in terms of how many years you have been with the American Ballet Theater organization. And I'll let you share that if you wish. Um. January 11th, which is also ABT's anniversary, was the date that I signed my first contract in 1971 as a dancer in the Court of Ballet. So next January 11th will be 50 years since I signed that piece of paper. Oh my God, do you still have that piece of paper? <laughs> I do, and oddly enough, um, a very dear friend of ours, Florence Patton, who was Lucia Chase, Lucia Chase was the founding director, artistic director, Mm -hmm. And Florence Flo was Lucia's secretary, for lack of a better word, in 1953 when she joined um, and became uh, and went on to become Baryshnikov's um, right hand as well. Yeah. Um, but Flo actually, you know how it is in January when you, you keep writing the previous year on your checks, she actually wrote 70 on the contract. She dated it wrong. Oh my goodness. <laughs> God rest her soul. But it was 1971. So, uh, you know, I had a few years off uh, after my daughter was born. Um, things had changed at ABT. Misha had left, you know. Oh, it was in that period. Okay. Yeah, it was in that period. And I just couldn't resolve not having that motherhood experience. So I, I did staging here and there. And also for ABT, I did some staging. So except for a few years, it's been a long road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And ups and downs and good times and not so good times, right? So but but let's, life. let's talk let's talk about the good times. Um, so you joined as a dancer. And it was somewhere along the way, um, because she was here visiting us over Christmas, Twilight Clark um, indicated that she was the one who to start to ballet master, so to speak. Or she, she takes entire responsibility for my career. <laughs> <laughs> As well, she should. Okay, She's allowed good. to do that. Um, I, I uh. owe her a lot. Um, I had been rehearsing new ladies in the court of ballet, in court of ballet work. Um, before I was given uh, the task of uh, maintaining Push Comes oh, okay. to Shove. Twyla choreographed it in 1975. We premiered it in 1976. And um, our then ballet mistress, Fiorella Keene, uh, she was in her 40s, I think 43, 44, and she uh, was stricken with cancer quite suddenly when we were on tour. And it was a matter of months. I mean, it was really tragic. So we had, and she was the one who had rehearsed, I mean, had sat in the rehearsals. She was the only one on the staff capable 
of even beginning to to rehearse push. Okay. It was a new vocabulary. It was new all across right. the board. And, um, you know, our older ballet masters were not up to that task, mm -hmm. I don't think. So, um, so there was no one to rehearse it. And you were and in it. Twyla, I right, was in yeah. it. I was still dancing right, at okay. the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I danced until uh, 79, 78, 79 was my last year of dancing. So, uh, so Twyla actually went, okay, Susan should take care of the corps de ballet and Warren Conover, yeah. who was a former soloist with ABT, sure. who you yeah. know, um, was going to sort of maintain the, the third movement, which he was in, um, a smaller group of people, and the principals would take care of themselves. Well, that uh, I guess a year went by. We went to Europe. We got we got to JFK Airport to go to on a European tour in 1977 in the summer, and we were told that the three days we thought we had off in the middle of the tour, we're going to be in Bucharest. So our rep program included Push Comes to Shove. We didn't have a lot of choices, and this was late in the game to find out. So we couldn't replace it on the program. So we ended up, uh, Twyla had just said, Kirk Peterson, he can, he can understudy it. So Kirk learned it. I mean, we literally, you know, the stories about how Jerry Robbins choreographed Fancy Free and Stairwells, that's what we did. Push comes to shove. So I ended up taking taking charge of the entire ballet, you know, and teaching, I was teaching people in every movement, you know. Wow. And, um, and it clearly, it demonstrated what I think Lucia and the rest of the staff knew, and, and that I had a, a very quick brain, that I had a, a scope of the, I had a bigger picture, I had a perspective on the bigger picture of the stage. Right. right. Um, and uh, so I just fell into that niche. Wow, wow. So you were hired by um, Lucia. Mm -hmm. And um, you, and then Twyla created, um, and you were dancing all those years, and then Twyla created Push Comes to Shove. Was, was that on Misha? It was on Misha, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was Misha, uh, in as a dancer at that time, or when did he take over as artistic director? He he became artistic director in 1980, but yeah, um, yeah but in 78 he went to City Ballet, New York City Ballet. That's right, that's right, okay. And then he came back as director in the fall of 1980, and that's when, I, you know, I had been, for a year, I had been an assistant ballet master, and then uh, when Misha came in, he put me in as a full ballet master. So that year that you were assistant ballet master, were you also still dancing then? No, that was my first year of retirement okay. from dancing. Okay. Well, and, and, and then from there, you've just done, my gosh, I, I, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay. So, so you're there, Misha's first, and I come in in 1982, and I'm blown away by this American Ballet Theater, which... You know, those of us who had the opportunity to have a career in the 80s and in, you know, we used to do all that touring and all that performing. So much. That, that does not happen anymore. But, and, and, you know, by the time we got to the Met season, we had already, for example, the year that I was given Romeo, I had already done like six or seven shows on the road. I and know. And then I got to do two or maybe three more at the Met, you know. And that was for several years that, those of us who were in those positions were able to perform. And I tell you, you know, that's where you grow as an artist is on the stage. Of course, absolutely. Right? It's so. really, it's really tragic that, that we can't go back to that. I know. Um, and it's just economically, it's not, it's right. not doable. Right. Um, for nobody. For, yeah, no company can do it, no. really. And, um, and it's true. I, I one of uh, our David, uh, David Lansky, our general manager, came to me, uh, oh maybe four years ago, 
because we were, you know, at the Met, the overtime is unbelievable, astronomical. Really? I mean, the dancers work from, you know, 11.45 to 5.15. And some of them have a break for an hour. A lot of them just go straight through and they perform at night. Right. I mean, the overtime for that is huge. And he said, I don't understand. How did we do it in the old days? You right. know? Cause, and I said, David, we got these ballets on in the road. We did them on tour. Yeah, that's right. We got to the Met and there was no, you know, there was maybe one or two ballets that we hadn't done that we were premiering at the Met. Right. Maybe. Not always. Right. And maybe there was a scramble. But... Um, yeah, it was, it was so much better for the dancers because it's also about the partnerships, I think, for principals too, because the more you perform it, the more you solidify that rapport. Yep. And it, it talk about growing. I mean, it, it takes the two. It takes that blend, you know, for the yeah. success of the ballet to work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's a shame because they're lucky now if they get two performances. I know. I know. A year I know. Of, of ballet. All that work. Yeah, no, and, and, and then it, it's so much pressure, you know, to, to be as best as you can be in I, two shows. You know? Right, like, I know. Oh, my God. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that I had all those opportunities that I had. But um, so, my gosh, look at this progression, right? So highlights, highlights, high points, moments that you remember fondly, people that we adore, Georgina Parkinson, hello, um, along the way. Just share some of your um, fondest memories and um, things that you feel would be interesting for people to hear that you experienced. Um, I worked, I had a lot of support from Agnes DeMille and uh, and that was that was had a profound effect on me. And I think I mean to this day when I coach uh, dramatic ballets or comedic ballets, or when I'm coaching in an acting, uh, you know, uh, having to do with acting, mm -hmm. um, I, I I realize how much I learned about timing and sort of stagecraft from this master. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was a piece of work. Right. It's <laughs> she was incredibly humorous. She was to the point. She yeah. was so well-spoken. Her mm -hmm. books, her books, young dancers, if you haven't read Agnes DeMille's books, you're just missing a huge part of dance history. Yeah. They're wonderful. She, she, she was as good of a writer as she was a choreographer, I think. Wow, amazing. Maybe better, maybe better. Wow, wow. Uh, no, she's, she was just brilliant. Yeah. She, she was wonderful coach. Um, and of course, working with Mr. Tudor, more in my capacity, I mean, as a dancer, but also in my capacity as a, as, um, as a ballet master that, that when you look at a ballet from that perspective, from the front of the room, mm -hmm. from the stage, I mean, from the audience, right? Um, you, you have this very intimate relationship as you get to know the details of the choreography, the musicality, the, the, maybe the unexplained why this happened or what happens in relationship to something else. When you work with people like Anthony Tudor or Paul Taylor or Jerry Robbins, all of them very, very different choreographers right. in the way they worked and in the result of their work. Mm -hmm. um, you, you understand the ballet in a way that I don't think a lot of performers do artists do right and you hear uh, it sitting there with coming from the horse's mouth coming from the creator's perspective right. which is a lot of what gets lost as things get passed down over the years true you know? true, so, true i think yes I, 
you're an encyclopedia yes. with all of that experience working with these people. And it's interesting you brought up, the first one you brought up was Agnes DeMille because I had a lovely conversation with uh, Virginia Johnson here on oh. Barclay. And one of her favorite roles ever was- um, Lizzie. Yep. Lizzie Borden. Yep, exactly. Fall River legend, amazing. So anyway, continue yeah. on this vein because this, this is so uh, wonderful to hear. Um, I had a, uh, an, an amazing, um, very overused word, amazing, but it was amazing, um, experience with uh, Jerry Robbins in, um, in that when he was choreographing other dances, which he choreographed for Natalia McCarvin and Misha Baryshnikov, yeah. um, we were off at the time. And uh, I received a phone call one day from Lucia. This was in the middle of a layoff. I mean, Lucia didn't call us. Lucia Chase. Right. She didn't call us at home. Right. So I'm like, well, okay. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> and um, Natasha at the time, Royal Ballet was in New York. And she, was, she had days where she couldn't work with him because she was working, she was performing with Royal Ballet. Oh, wow. So he wanted two dancers to come in and sort of use them as guinea pig, you know, to, to, uh, to choreograph other dances. And she said, uh, and she, he wanted someone small, you know, sort of Natasha's side. I was not like Natasha McGarva. <laughs> <laughs> um, she knew I was quick, so she said, you know, I recommend it for you, and can you do it? And I went, uh, uh, yeah, yes, of course I can, you know. Sure. So I went in with, uh, with another fella, and um, the other fella was not quite as sharp. And you're not going to share the name. I'm not going to share the name. <laughs> and <laughs> he was a very good dancer. He was very talented. He's uh -huh. a lovely teacher. But at the time, he was not, the, he was not um, right on top of the game. And, and when you work with someone like Jerry, of course, you're nervous. We're, we were always nervous when we worked with Jerry. Sure. But um, they, don't, they don't wait. They, I mean, Jerry went. It was, like, it was like, I always think of Jerry like a painter, that he painted his ballets, that he, sometimes he splashed the, the paint on the canvas and sometimes he took great fine detail. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it was pastels impressionistic and sometimes it was it was much more abstract, you know. What a great and, wow. Yeah. And um so for a week I you know, we went in there and a lot of times this was in nineteen seventy eight, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh a lot of times uh he, he would lose patience with my, my darling partner. And, and we would dance, I would dance with Jerry. I mean, he wasn't lifting, but you know, it was really unbelievable. And, and that it was Chopin, which was yeah. very dear to my heart. And yeah. which I, you know, it was, you know, I was always playing um, Chopin piano music and um, it, it was really, I, I mean, I didn't share that story until maybe 10 years ago. I, I just, it was kind of this little jewel. Nobody knew. Nobody was there at, at uh, this was on, when ABT was on 61st Street. Oh, yeah. Nobody was there. It was just this little treasure somehow. For, I mean, it week. still is for me. For a week. Yeah, it was, we rehearsed for about a week. Yeah. And then one day we came in and um, went to City Center, the studio in City Center, and we showed the last mazurka to Misha and Natasha, both of who don't remember this at all. They don't remember this at all. Oh, wow. I'm just oh. saying. But I was there. <laughs> so we sort of translated, you know, gave them their the last mazurka you know translated it to them and uh -huh. and um life went on and of course it's just i mean i think i watched every performance of it from the wings mo mostly from the wings because i was usually on in another ballet but yeah. 
just it's it's such a treasure to it's me. It's a beautiful part of the absolutely. And I don't know that he ever remembered my name, but he always remembered. Wow. He always made a point of coming to me and and saying hello. I mean, I always felt like he remembered. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Wow, Jerry Robbins, my goodness. Oh, I know. And, and uh, Natasha and uh, Misha. I mean, the, yeah. the, gosh, that period, unbelievable. So, it was rich, really yeah. rich. Yeah. So, yeah. so talk a little bit more about um, Agnes. Is, is, is it this, this moment, because Georgina played the uh, mother. Stepmother. Yeah, the stepmother. And there's a moment where she has to take the... Um, fourth, fourth finger. Fourth finger. Talk about that because it's so very, very specific, and 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 it comes from they're facing each other on the rocking chairs, right? And they're rocking forward and backward and forward and backward. Is that the moment when she does she turn to the audience? How does that work? No, they. Um, I'm trying to think now. Um, she comes. Um, Lizzie runs out of the house or something, and and the stepmother and the father come and and she pulls lizzie's shoulder and turns her towards her and they make eye contact and then mm -hmm. she just turns toward the audience and oh, goes right. Hmm. right oh my god so where does like, something like yeah. that come from i have no clue and for yet all i know i heard that that agnes said that she the stepmother was would do that because she had a mole on her face Oh my God. I, Georgina told me that, but I, right. I don't know. I mean, I didn't hear that from the horse's mouth, but from Georgina. Right. Um, but it, but of course it was just, it was combined with this, you know, upright spine that the stepmother had uh, right. very much of the time. Yeah. And just the slightest tilt of the head that was like, this girl is touched, I think. Touched meaning a little, little off balance. Off balance, backwards, right. as they used to say. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, it's, yeah. it's those kinds of choices in those moments, you know, in these dramatic ballets that it, it, you don't know where it comes from, and yet it it speaks volumes, you know, in in such yeah. a. Lucia, Lucia Chase did that role. When I got into oh, the company, God. she is the only one that had done that role really? since the time the ballet was was premiered and I was um, I was little Lizzie herself as a child oh right and at one point when her she finds out her her mother has died little Lizzie finds out her mother has died and and oh yeah and she goes to run into the house and there's the stepmother in the sill of the you know right in the doorway mm-hmm kind of up one step and little Lizzie has to like hang on her shoulders like kneel but with her hands on the shoulders right. I was terrified because <laughs> Lucia was was you know quite a senior person at that time I don't know how old she was for all I know I might be older now but she seemed old to me then right. and she was my boss so it was like <laughs> you afraid of pulling her over said, or something she said to me Dear, you have to really do it. <laughs> really hang on me. I went, okay. <laughs> and you just didn't want to knock her over, right? Nothing was going to knock her over is what I came to find out. She was not going anywhere. Yeah, granite. I, I, I New England it. granite. I love yeah. it. The thing that Virginia uh, was taught, she loved doing it. And, and she said that she, one of the things that they have to really do well, and you only get one chance, I guess, is to get that ax and hit it into the thumb. And she said to, she was so worried, but she said, I never missed it ever in a performance. <laughs> it's, it's always the thing. The, the last time we did it, I had the awesome responsibility of, of staging it um, with a little um, guidance from Jemsey DeLapp, who was an Agnes DeMille dancer. We had the we had the uh, stump and we had the ax in the studio and I was working with Michelle Wiles and I, it slipped off 
the act, I had the act, it slipped off of the uh, stump. It wasn't in all the way. And I was talking and it slipped off and it actually cut a hole in my shoe between my big toe and my second toe. Just the, point, just the point of it. It wasn't like with a lot of force or anything. Right, right, right. But I was like, ah! I mean, it couldn't have been any closer to either toe. Oh my God. And there was this little slit in the oh <laughs> But every, Liz, every Lizzie is terrified that things gonna fall. I think I've seen it happen a couple of times. In a live performance? Yeah, where yeah. it didn't stick. And then they pick it up and they whack it and then it stays. You know. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it's, it's one of those that, that probably can just stand the test of time, that ballet, right? I love that ballet. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So, so you said you staged it, um, and I know you've staged so many. Uh, you were here actually creating your own version in Orlando, what was it, three, four years ago now? Uh, Don Quixote. Yeah, at least four, if not five. I, I don't know. Believe time flies. I'm going into I my season this, this, this year. So. Wow. I know, wow. I know. But... But talk talk about that. So were you, were you there because you you also were restaging Misha's production, right. right? I was a dancer in Misha's production when it was done on ballet theater. Okay. Um, and then um, I staged for the first time in London at the Royal Ballet in 1993. Okay. A different production scenically, but. Um, so it wasn't the Santo. It wasn't Santos. It was Mark Thompson. Okay. who had designed uh, uh, Joseph and the Amazing Colored Green Ah, uh, okay. I mean, among other things. Sure. Um, so that was, the, that was the time that I, I staged it there. So I knew that version. Um, and then um, at Ballet Theater, we do a version that Kevin and I did together um, that is mostly based on, on the sort of standard Russian version with some choreographic elements in it. Um, and, uh, and then when I came to you, um, you know, the size, there were less dancers, um, same Santo Loquasto ABT right. production, which you were lucky enough to get. That was yes. great. Yes. And um, yeah, so I mean, and again, it's based off of sort of the standard, standard version, but it was sort of my first time um, doing oh. those transitions and those a few few dances, gypsy scene and and stuff like that, because I I didn't feel I should copy those that are original to ABT's version, you know. Right, right. So it was fun. I was, really loved it. Yeah, I mean, it was lo great. I loved it. People still talk about it. It was absolute highlight, and certainly in my tenure so far, um, uh, Don Q, uh, Michael Pink's Dracula was also a big big. Mm -hmm. Uh, my Carmina Burana, you know, there, there are things along the way. And Don Q, I definitely am hoping that we can get you back to, to do that again. I'd love that. Yeah. So I'd love that. You were also here because we did a triple bill of Serenade, Balanchine Serenade. And speaking of uh, Jerry Robbins, it was his fancy free. And we did Twyla's uh, um, Sinatra Suite. Sinatra Suite, yes. And you uh, were here to, to stage that for us. So yeah. um, that was another exciting, exciting program. But you see, it's one of those triple bills, especially here. I know it's everywhere, but especially here, you know, what is it? We called it um, Masterworks, you know? Because what, huh. what do you call a triple bill like that, you know? Right. And it was, it was really fun to watch people come to it not wondering what is it what and then coming away i mean serenade give me a break you know <laughs> curtain goes up on, and absolutely you, uh, you know and then to go on that journey and then fancy and then twilight. so thank you again for 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 doing that because you invest such detail in in remembering exactly what youth remember twyla wanting so um Talk, talk about a little bit more about working with Twyla because she was as unique as Agnes or, or oh. uh, you know, Jerry or, and, and she, she was, like I said, she was here and we got a chance to sit down. We watched every performance together and we had lunches and dinners. And what, an, what an amazing, amazing 
mind. Incredible. Yeah. Mind. Just brilliant. Really brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, Twyla works at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that of all the choreographers I know, her use of time in the studio is the most economical ever because she, she knows more or less what she might come in and change things, you know, two days later. Right. But the vocab, it'll, it'll be attached to the vocabulary. Um, she, she, it's kind of a, like the mind of a Mozart, you know, that it just has, she has this sense of structure built in. Um, when we, when she choreographed Push Comes to Shove, there was an enormous amount of vocabulary for the corps de ballet, the second movement of the symphony. Yeah. And there was a group A and group A had its material. And then there was a group B and group B had its version of that same material, but in a different order. Oh, wow. And then A and B are together in a cross formation. And the whole thing revolves as they're doing their material, as they're traveling with their the two group A lines and the two group B lines. It's incredibly complicated, but she managed to get all of that around to four flat lines with the material that we had done when we were featured by ourselves. That makes sense. So wow. group A came out, group Jeez. B came out, group A and B came out in the cross. And then the whole thing was done, but it revolved. And you'd have to like figure out traffic with other people. Right, right. Meanwhile, keep keep your line as you're pivoting around. And you get it. I mean, it was phenomenal. When we tried it the first time with music and we and we actually got through it to that next point, it was like everybody was like, shut the door. <laughs> How did she do that? Right. How did she do that? She has an amazing mind. But see, that's the fascinating thing because, you know, you can, I think that the, the challenge, or certainly for me, and I'm not comparing myself to Twilight Tharp in any way at all, but to get those images in your brain and then to make them physical, that's how. How it's, on earth? There, I think there are very few choreographers that can really do it the way she does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, most people, they know more or less what they want. They might have the vocabulary down, but they need the, they need that um, give and take yeah. with the artists, and right. they need to really move people, uh, large groups of people, around to really see how it's going to work. Right. They don't. It's very hard to envision. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's clearly yeah. part of her unique uh, talent. Um, so, um, did you ever stage Natasha's Bayadere? I know you. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Many the whole, times. The whole ballet. The whole thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Many times. I've I've done it in Santiago, and I've done it in uh, Warsaw, and I've done it. Uh, I've done Shades in a number of different yeah. places, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually should have, would have just gotten home from Argentina. Uh, they were supposed right to now. do this. Yeah, I was, uh -huh. I was going to go for a couple of weeks to start it. And then I was to go back in November, December with the premiere in the middle of December. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Not happening. Wow. Not so happening. Um, I have two, two memories. And I think one, there's a, a scene where... <laughs> <laughs> Natasha was coaching it and she said something, God is my witness for, for, for the high Brahmin. Am I right about that? I don't know. Oh, okay. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but she, You've been watching late night movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also I remember um, somewhere along the way, because you were you are the master of, of getting that second act um, corps de ballet. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. You know, it's when that is beautiful, there's nothing more beautiful in the world. You know what I mean? Sublime, yeah. It's unbelievable. And I remember once, and I don't remember what the publication was, but the review was basically, 
a couple of words and then there's nothing more to say except list the names all those it, it just had the headline and the names that's it it was we it was a kennedy center performance wow and uh, it was it was so amazing to see wow. that uh, I, I, it, there it's i've someone just recently mentioned it on facebook um a couple of months ago that they remember because it was the um 80th anniversary of it was supposed to be the 80th anniversary i mean 40th anniversary of Bayadere of that production oh. wow um at this met our met season and um i did a i did an interview and natasha did an interview that can be found on youtube um and but someone mentioned in the comments about that review or posted it you know had it and wow. posted it, it just wow. was Incredible. It's, such a, it's such a great choice for the writer, you know, it's it, it yeah. as so much without saying anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. so <clears throat> my gosh, we, we're going to have to do a part two with you for sure, because <laughs> this, this is just way, way, way too much fun. And there's too many things that we haven't spoken about. But one of the things that I have been asking um, all the other guests you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, we're, we're experiencing this life the way that we are. And I just want to talk a little bit. I ask everyone to comment on the fact of in situations like this, it's not just this time, whenever the economy gets tested, the arts are always put into the category of um, non-essential. I've had some really fascinating comments on that. And I just, you know, just what, what is the, What's your reaction to that? Uh, I think for people that think like that, um, I feel sad for them uh, because it's 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 the demise of civilization when when art isn't a part of it and isn't a, a critical element. Um, it's it's food for the soul and and. Um, I don't know. It's it's very difficult. I understand where we're at, but um, and I certainly you know there are, there are some people that are like, well, if you can fill an airplane full of people, why can't you put people in a theater? Well, in my opinion, you shouldn't be filling an airplane with people. By right. the way, right. And so you know we're not going to jeopardize our audience, but um, I mean. <clears throat> On the other hand, I, I thought to myself the other just yesterday. I was thinking about what's it going to be like when we come back, right? And regardless of how many people or what percentage of an audience is allowed in the theater, I think we're going to have packed houses. I think the audiences are going to be so hungry, mm -hmm. so hungry. I, people are ready. They definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've been trying to stay in touch with um, certainly Kevin McKenzie, mm -hmm. Julie mm -hmm. Kent, and Susan Jaffe. And we've been doing sort of every two weeks Zoom chat, the four of us, mm -hmm. which, is, which has been really good because, you know, just how are you doing? How are you doing? And of course, New York is New York, Washington, and Susan in Pittsburgh starting mm -hmm. off in the middle of a mm -hmm. brand, brand new artistic director in a pandemic, you know? It's right. I know. And you know each each situation, each place is their their reality is a little bit different than the other. And you know we I have the great fortune of being in a brand new building, so we have tons of space. We have great ventilation. Ventilation. That's and, the horrible thing at ABT. Right. No, that's what Kevin was telling me. You know, and uh, it's so I'm I'm very grateful. We're moving forward. I'm I'm creating a, a COVID friendly Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna let um, Carabas um, have a rap number. Okay. No, and I I'm, I'm I don't want to give this away too too much, but I'm gonna read one of the stanzas to you because the okay. the guy who works in our production area <laughs> is the one who wrote this, and he's 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 brilliant. So it goes: um, First, you'll all suffer my curse of separation six feet apart for the show's duration. Coming any closer is gonna be a no-go. Dancing together? Pardon, no, I don't think so. 
terrific. That is too funny. That's great. And it's going to be a lot of, you know, we get all the fairy variations and, and you know. Where's uh, Tchaikovsky in this? <laughs> Just asking. No, we're going to use, uh, uh, going to do the Rosa Dazio probably with gloves and masks and, you know, whatever we can, whatever we can get away with. But, right. you know, we're, we're, we're following hospital suggestions and guidelines and, you know, COVID, you know, we're going to do it the right way. So. Oh, you need like. You need like a cane or something, you know, so she can hold one end of a cane and get promenaded at social distance. A portable, a small portable bar on wheels that gets, you know. So, so assuming we get through this, they have a vaccine and we can start to think about moving forward. What, what would you be looking forward to? Maybe not necessarily that is on ABT's five-year plan or moving forward, but you know, if you had your way, what what would you be looking forward to? What would you what do you want the ballet world to be looking forward to? Wow. Um I know, I know right? Dream big. <laughs> I have a board member who's a Broadway producer and uh he was actually one of the producers for um, American in Paris and he just said to me, Robert, dream big, let's go big, you know. So <laughs> and I went wow. I did the same thing. Wow. <laughs> when do I get to think like that? I know. I, I mean uh, certainly the first thing that enters my mind is that that we've all gotten the message here loud and clear. Um, diversity is, is an unnecessary um, and inclusion is, is, it has to change. It's going to change. I mean, it's, it's going to have a marked, all of this is going to have a marked effect on every company, um, every organization, every, not just ballet companies, the world. Sure. Um, um, I, I, at the same time, I don't want us to lose touch with history either and the classics. Right. Um, and I think that for a while, that's, that's of course, is what's going to happen because of the enormity of, of those ballets right. um, in, in people. Um, I think that we're gonna those those ballets are gone for a while yeah. um, until we can get back on track. Right. But right. Um, so I don't know. I, I um, I'm all for the a new outlook, but I think that I I will always feel that attachment to the classics and the history. And I mean, ABT always had a wide range. I mean, that was ABT. Yeah, exactly. And um, so certainly that's now the doors are open. We can, we can really go, go for that. But, um, but there was always a high regard um, for the history of the company, the choreographers that, that worked there. And, and I, I still feel it's a kind of mission uh, in that respect that, that I, I need to make my 50 years worthwhile um for the future you know mm -hmm. i need to give i need to keep giving lending based on my experience um with the company and the people that i've worked with because they were the horse's mouth a lot i was blessed to have worked with the yeah. horse's mouth yeah yeah so <laughs> in many. many regards well so you know, many of the, yeah. of the great, great, great yeah, yeah, amazing, you know. And dancers, and to see, to yeah. see really incredible, incredible dancers. Um, so I, I, I need, I want to get back to business with, yeah. with that. Yeah. But I'm also of an age that um, this has made me think a lot about <laughs> retirement. Right. I, I mean, I, I do. I live a crazy life. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm living during the work week in Brooklyn with, a, right. with some people right. um, who are very good to me um, and give me a room. Um, but, uh, but I have a husband too that I, you know, I feel like we haven't been able to really spend a lot of time together until now. Right. Um, and so how is Larry? <clears throat> he's good. He's good. good. Thank you. Yeah, good. it's his birthday today. Oh my and goodness. Not, not when this airs, but yeah. Right. So. Right. Wow. Happy birthday, Larry. Wow. 
Yeah. How's his knee? His knee is okay. He mm. has a bum shoulder, but okay. I mean, you know about shoulders. No, David Hallberg knows about shoulders. I know about knees. Oh, you know about <laughs> knees. Okay. Well, I mean, you can imagine. You, yeah. You've heard about yeah. enough shoulders. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. I, well, my knees aren't great, but you know, hey, you, you work with what you got. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know? You've got to just keep, keep going on because yeah. it was kind of like, you know, when this pandemic came, of course, everyone was knocked and slapped and boom. And, you know, you can fall into a hole, but that's no fun to stay there, you know, so you figure out how to get out of it and move forward. And uh, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of good people around me to, to, to make that happen. So, yeah. so yeah. you're not ready to retire, Susan, not after this conversation. You've got all that energy and, and all that history. My God, you've got to make sure people have all that information so that it doesn't go when you, you know, it's really unbelievable. But I wanted to ask one more thing with regard to respecting the past and the history and all that. You know, given the world we live in and people's uh, attention spans are what they are, you know, we can't do a four act, three intermission sleep, oh, uh, no. sleeping beauty or, or swan lake, right? Okay, so I just wanted to hear if you agree with the fact of, you know, condensing them down. Streamlining. Streamlining, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody, no, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to your Sleeping Beauty because I, as much as I love Sleeping Beauty, oh God, it's so long. <laughs> I, I was, I mean, I love the third act, but I was so happy that I wasn't assigned to be on the third act. <laughs> we'll see. The last time. So here's, here's, this is my revenge and Kevin loved this actually. Um, because, you know, as the prince, you, you do your hardest variation in Pata de close to 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's like... At night, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm moving his variation substantially closer to the top of the show. And um, I don't want to share too much of it right now, but it's, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely irreverent, but we're going to try to do as much of you know the variations that they that they do the way that you know I have Yan Chan here mm -hmm. to coach and and mm -hmm. uh, all of that. So, but uh, yeah, you know it, 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 it's the art form has to keep evolving, just like we all are with this world, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to. I mean, you know this. You have to know your audience, and you have to find that balance between challenging them. Yes. Educating them yep. and entertaining them. And you have to really know what they need, especially, mm -hmm. especially in, a, in, a, in, a, in Orlando yeah. or exactly. Pittsburgh or whatever. You, you really, you have to respect that. And, and you always want them, you always want to challenge them and right. not dumb it down, you know, but right. um, yeah, you just exactly. have to understand that. Two of the words that you chose um, are in our uh, mission statement. We are Orlando Ballet enriches, educates, and entertains through the highest quality of dance. That's our mission statement. Simple as short right? and sweet. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, Good. So we we always try to remind ourselves. We always get a, a staff member at the end of every staff meeting to recite the mission statement. You know, and. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's been really good. So that's lovely. We are definitely going to have to do a part two Susan, because it's, uh, oh, and, I'd love that. and then we have to get, get through this and get you back down here again. So absolutely. Okay. Can't wait.